0: Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. This is our last week in the series, A Generous Life. This is our eighth week of that series and we've been talking about it in many different ways because I really feel like as we live a generous life, God will continue to pour out. Not, I'm not just talking about money. I'm just talking about the blessings of God in our lives when we are willing to, to, to meet God with an open hand instead of a closed fist. So generosity is essential in following Jesus. And I kind of told you why already. But another reason is because Jesus has called us to let, us, let our light shine before people. Jesus wants us to reflect his goodness. We cannot reflect his goodness with a selfish attitude. The only way that we're ever going to be, ref- be able to reflect the goodness of God is through a generous attitude. As I shared last week, Paul describes a Christian's life as a living sacrifice. It's a life that is willing to do anything and everything for the purpose of following Jesus. It's a life surrendered to God's will. Today, the title of my message is The Miracle of generosity. If you want to write it down, feel free. If you take notes, that's the title of the message. The miracle of generosity. And how generosity opens up the gateway for miracles to happen in and through our lives. And you say, Pastor Tom, I thought that was by faith. It is by faith. But you never see faith with selfishness. You see faith with generosity. They're they're really closely tied together. It's through a generous heart. And I'm going to show you that through scripture how generosity opens up the gateway for miracles to happen through your life do you remember as a kid having story time do you remember story time as a kid maybe you went to bed at night and maybe it was either your mom or your dad that would share or maybe an older sibling that would share a story with you and I remember as a father my kids were growing up I would share stories with them and one of my favorite stories of all time was Jack and the Beanstalk and I love to share that story you know, in the, at nighttime, all of a sudden, I start chasing the kids around. I'd start doing the fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the blood of an Englishman. And then I'd chase them around, and they'd get scared, and they'd run away from dad, and we'd have fun. And, and I, I was, just for fun this week, I started thinking about the origination. Where does that story come from? Where does that poem come from? And I never knew the second half of the poem. And maybe some of you guys have never heard it before either. But to my surprise, it's fee-fi-fo-fum. I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he alive or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. Yeah, isn't that morbid? Isn't that horrible? I thought, oh my gosh, I've been telling my kids this all day. I didn't even realize how morbid that was. One article I was reading says the fairy tale actually was the retelling of a Celt- the Celtics' dislike for the Saxons some 4,500 years ago. I share that. Because today I'm going to do something a little different in our message. Is I want to do story time. I want to share stories that are listed throughout the Bible. I want to st- share some stories to each and every one of us that I hope that would build our faith that would build our faith towards generosity, towards understanding what God can do in your life when you were willing to step out in faith. I believe the miraculous takes place when we choose to be generous. Some of these stories you probably maybe have heard throughout your life and maybe some of these stories you are hearing for the very first time. These biblical stories I share are true accounts of God's encounter with his people. Remember, the word of God is given to believers as an instrument for us, for us to remind us of God's goodness, of God's faithfulness, for God's plan of salvation for our lives. It's to bring us a hope and an encouragement in knowing we have a God who loves us. It's to know that we have a God who loves us enough to instruct us to move forward in our life. The Apostle Paul writes it this way in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16. And seventeen, He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Have you ever analyzed what's, what is wrong in my life? Go to God's word. You'll discover it. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do or what uh, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Today, I hope the stories I share remind you that living a generous life opens the door of the miraculous through your life. The first thought that I want to share, I have two thoughts for you today. The first thought I want to share on the miraculous is recognize that God is trusting you to be generous with what you have. God is trusting you to be generous with what you have. As I start this thought I want to share a couple stories, two, three, four, maybe five. Who knows what I'll go to. But I think about Simon Peter, and you can find his story in Luke chapter five. It's Peter's story that happens at Lake Gennesaret as he was fishing. How many of you have ever been fishing? Fishing takes so much patience. You go out there, you cast the line, you wait there, the sun's beating down on you, you're trying to, and I don't know, I might be that one person that no one else is, but it seems like when I go fishing, I don't catch very many fish very often. How many of you have ever went out fishing and didn't catch a thing? Yeah, okay, see, it takes a lot of patience. This half of the group is much better than this half of the group, by the way. Interesting. We'll have to do a study on that. But I've gone out fishing. You stay out in the water and you have nothing to show for all the time that you spent. There's zero results. And this is what Peter's experience here, experiencing here in Luke chapter 5. Peter was a fisherman. It's not a hobby. It's the way that he made his living. Peter and his friends fished through the night and caught zero fish. They were tired, probably hungry. They were frustrated. Then Jesus enters the scene. So Peter... And, and Andrew and James and, and John, they were all out fishing, and they're tired, they're clean. It says in Scripture, they're cleaning up their nets, and all of a sudden Jesus enters the scene, and he's actually just te- teaching on the shores of the lake. He's teaching. And as he's teaching, there's more and more people that start to gather around him, and all of a sudden he starts to realize there's so many people. and he sees two boats over on the shore, and he g- goes into Peter's boat. And then he tells Peter, Peter, will you push me out from the shore?" And then he starts to teach. He just continues to teach. Now remember, Peter, Andrew, James, John, they've been fishing all night. They're tired. They haven't caught anything. They've cleaned, they're cleaning up their nets. And now Jesus has come on the scene. He's teaching, hey, Peter, I'm going to get in your boat. Push me out a little bit. I think the last thing that Peter really wanted to do, I mean, he loved Jesus, but the last thing he really wanted to do, he wanted to go home, take a nap, he wanted to get showered, whatever else he wanted to do. But here he's waiting for Jesus as Jesus is teaching. And look at what verse 4 states. It says, when he had finished speaking, and this is talking about Jesus, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets and catch some fish. Listen to Peter's reply to Jesus. You can sense his weariness in the story. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. We've done this, Jesus, already. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. It seems that Peter is, ask, is, is struggling with the request that Jesus is giving, yet he didn't want to disobey Jesus. So Peter kindly puts the boat out into the deep. Have you ever been annoyed when someone has asked you to do something And you're tired, and you're exhausted, and you want to go do something else. And someone says, hey, will you go do this? Now think of this. Peter is a fisherman. This is not something that is a hobby. This is his trade. This is how he makes his living. Now Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher, the carpenter, not fisherman, all of a sudden steps on the scene. Hey, just put your boat out a little further. Now, Peter's fished all night. That was the best time to fish. Now it's, it's later in the day. It's not a good time to fish. And Jesus said, just put, put the boat out a little further. Look what happens in verse 6. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in, James and John, in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Peter was so overwhelmed by what had just happened. that scripture states that he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. This is all happening in the boat. Jesus is in the boat with Peter and it's all happening. I am such a sinful man. Just leave me. Peter realized that he was in the presence of holiness. That his lack of faith represented his sinfulness. And Jesus responded to Peter in such a graceful way. He just says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. This is the calling of Jesus' disciples. The first four, James and John and Peter and Andrew. The Bible states as soon as they landed onto the shore, they left everything and they followed Jesus. Even though Peter might have questioned Jesus, Peter didn't hold his boat back. He was he he lent it to Jesus. He gave, said, "Jesus, use it." And he pushed him out. And he followed. The, and he was obedient to what Jesus commanded. What's the miracle for Jesus? Besides a boatload of fish, which is a miracle in itself, it's to experience God's power in his life. It's the calling that forever changed his life. A calling that would forever etch his name as in as Jesus, one of Jesus's apostles. How did it happen? It all happened because Peter was willing to be generous with what he had. Let me share another story. Remember, this is story time. John chapter 6. Besides Jesus' own own resurrection, this is the only miracle that is shared in all four of the Gospels. And that is the miracle when Jesus feeds the 5,000 with two loaves, or with five loaves of bread and two fish. And how did that miracle begin? The miracle began because of the generosity of a little boy, a lad, who had the lunch, who had the five loaves and the two fish, and all of a sudden, he was willing to give that over to Jesus. See, many times we struggle on how we we should give. Lord, how am I going to give? Lord, I don't have much money. I don't have... See, the Lord never asks you to give what you don't have. The only thing that the Lord asks you to give is what He's already provided. He said, we're so fearful to ever give to the Lord. He's already provided. The the woman who came up to the altar, she gave her everything she had but the two pennies. I'm not saying the Lord is telling you to give everything you had. But so many times we get frustrated because we don't. He's not asking for anything beyond what you already have. What do you have in your possession? The miracle of generosity begins when we are willing to give what we have. In this story, Jesus tested Philip by asking him, where could we go out and buy some food to feed all these people? And Philip was stunned and he responded to Jesus. He said, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And then Andrew responds, there's a young boy with five barley loaves and two fish. But what, would he, what good would that be in this crowd that we have? How could that help us? Then Jesus told his disciples to have everyone sit down on the mountainside. Everybody, just have everybody sit down. Then he took the five loaves He took the two fish. He broke the loaves. And he thanked the Heavenly Father and he blessed it. And he started to disperse it out to the people. He started to hand it out to the people. And the scriptures state that everyone ate until they were full. Not only that, how many of you like leftovers? I like leftovers. There was 12 baskets of leftover food. And the miracle began with the generosity of one boy... Who was willing to give up his lunch. He is willing to give Jesus what he had. Sometimes what we have might not look like much. But when, when you put it into the hand of Jesus, the miraculous takes place. Jesus was able to feed the multitudes because of the generosity of this boy. The Bible is filled with story after story after story of how God took what we have and made it abundant and made it a blessing. I think about Jesus as he's riding into Jerusalem. What did he have? He didn't have anything. He borrowed a donkey. He used what someone else already had. I think about Jesus when he goes and has his Passover supper, the, the last supper. Guess what? He didn't have a room. He borrowed a room that someone al- already had. And him and his disciples had their last supper. Then I think about the burial of Jesus. Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head. How could he have a place where he was going to be buried? And then there was a man from the from, named Joseph from the town of Arimathea. And he asked for Pilate's. He asked Pilate for Jesus' body. Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin council. He opposed Jesus' death, and most likely he was a secret follower of Jesus. And in John 19, we find out that it was Joseph and Nicodemus who go and ask Pilate for Jesus' body, and they prepare his body for burial, and they put it in Joseph's tomb. Now let me ask you, what would Jesus' resurrection have looked like if Joseph wasn't willing to give what he had? I know it's kind of a morbid thought, we're talking about death, we're talking about tomb, but the miraculous resurrection of Jesus happened at Joseph's tomb. Have you ever thought about that? The greatest miracle in history happened at Joseph's tomb. The statement Jesus makes in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life, comes to completion at Joseph's tomb. Because Joseph was willing to give what he had. I think about that. The greatest miracle of all time took place Because Joseph said, hey, I have a tomb. And he he honored, he glorified Jesus. Let us bring him back to the tomb. Let us bury him here. What do you have that God wants to use in your life? Being generous with what you have can impact all of history. The second thought in seeing the miraculous is recognizing God is asking you to step out in faith and receive what you don't have. See, God is asking you to give what you have, to be able to allow God to use what you have. When he calls upon you, guess what? Be willing to what you have say, God, this is yours. But then those times in our lives, what is God is asking us? To step out in faith and to receive what we don't have. Remember, we're in story time, right? Let's continue the stories. Many of you are probably very familiar with the story of David and Goliath. I mean, come on! Most of us grew up on the story of David and Goliath when we were kids. Even if you haven't attended church, you've probably heard some reference to it and how a young shepherd boy takes down the mighty, mighty giant named Goliath. It's a battle between the Israelites and the Pharisees. It's a story that you can find in First Samuel chapter seventeen. The Israelites are camped on one mountainside. The the, the, the the Philistines are camped on the other mountainside, and in between the two mountains is this valley. The Israelites. The Philistines, they're in a fight. David's brothers were all soldiers in Saul's armies, and Saul's army was camped on that one hillside. Goliath was a Philistine, and it says in Scripture that he was over nine feet tall. His his armor weighed 125 pounds. That's a lot of weight. His spear, the tip of his spear weighed 15 pounds. This was a mighty man. This was a big man. And it says in Scripture that for 40 days, he would come out and he would mock the Israelites, the army of the Israelites. Every morning, every night, he'd come out. Who is willing to fight me? And it says in Scripture they all were in terror. They were all in fear of this man. The winner would be the victor for the entire nation and the loser's army would become the slaves to the victor. In verse 11, it states when Saul and his Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. The entire army standing in fear over one man, Goliath. Then David enters the scene, the shepherd boy. He was a young shepherd boy. And he was sent to the front lines because his father wanted to make sure his brothers had enough food. So he brought a basket of food to his brothers. And when he's there, all of a sudden, as he's talking to his brothers in the front line, all of a sudden this Philistine, this guy named, this guy named Goliath, all of a sudden walks out from the front lines. And he does his chant again. He does his rant. Who is willing to fight me? King Saul had offered a huge reward for anyone who was willing to fight Goliath and kill him, yet everyone continued to, just to tremble in fear. Then David responded to Goliath's rants. He said, "Who is this pagan philistine, anyway? I love, I love David. that he is allowed catch us, that he, that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. He stands, "Who is this guy that's saying these things about my God? That is not cool." Now David's just a shepherd boy. His brothers don't even believe in him. King Saul doesn't even believe in him. They, none of them believe in him. That he has any ability to do anything. King Saul tries to put his own, his own armor on David when he goes out to try to fight. And David said, I can't do this. This ain't me. I'm not going to fight that way. No one be- has anyone ever felt like no one believed in you? You're standing by yourself. Everybody thinks, oh, he can't do it. She can't do it. She's too young. He's too old. You're either too young or too old. I don't understand life sometimes. (laughs) But David had faith. David stepped out from all the fear and he entered into the battle. And catch this. David's generous faith set him apart from all the rest. There's times in your life where God will give you an opportunity. I'm speaking to someone here today. There's times in your life where God will give you an opportunity And he's giving you an opportunity to step out in faith. And if you're willing to step out in faith, he will set you apart from the rest of the crowd. Because he needs people of faith. That's a word someone needs to grab a hold of. I'm telling you right now today, there's times in your life where God's given you an opportunity. And if you fear it, if you cowered back from it, guess what? That opportunity just disappears. But when you're willing to say, God, I'm willing. I'm going to step out in faith. Choose me like David did. You'll go down in history. You'll be recorded, hey, this is what takes place. Maybe it's not history of the world, maybe it's history in your family. It was my grandfather who said, you know what? I'm stepping out in faith to believe Jesus. No one's going to tell me no. And you move out in faith. As followers of Jesus, we need to separate ourselves from fear and step out in faith. I think of Peter and John in Acts chapter 3. It's story time, everybody. Dad, tell me one more story. Come on, come on. Tell me one more story. Come on, someone say it. Dad, tell me one more. Okay, thank you. We'll do it. I think of Peter and John at the temple gate in Acts chapter 3. When they encountered the lame man who was sitting at the temple gate called Beautiful. He was lame. He was handicapped from birth. He had never taken one step in his entire life. People would have to carry him over to the temple gate called Beautiful. And that's where he would sit each and every day begging for money. Day after day after day, he would beg for money. People would walk by him. Some would probably sneer at him. Some had pity upon him. They all looked down upon him because he's sitting there on the floor day after day begging for money. Until Peter and John come into the scene. They're walking up to worship. They're going to the temple to worship. And as they're walking through this This gate called beautiful. They see this man. He's begging for money. Peter told the man, look at us. The crippled man looked at them expecting to receive money. And then Peter responds with these words. He says, I don't have any silver and gold for you. But what I'll give you, what I have, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. See, he didn't have money to give, but he had faith. He had the faith to believe that this man who had been crippled, who had been sitting there for so many years, you know what, I have the faith. And it says in Scripture that Peter reached out his hand, and the man took his hand. And as soon as he took his hand, he was healed in Jesus' name. And he started jumping and leaping and praising God for the healing in his life. God had done a miraculous scene because Peter was willing to be generous with his faith. He, Peter can't heal this guy. Only who? Jesus can but you know what? He had the faith to believe that Jesus could do it. I was thinking about that. What would happen if we just believed with people for the impossible? How could our world change if we saw the potential in people? If we saw people through the eyes of faith instead of disbelief? Instead of when someone says, shared something and a hope Instead of putting disbelief and doubt upon their hope, what would happen if we just responded in faith and said, yeah, you know what, you can do it. I'm praying for you. If we became a people of faith that were lifting one another up instead of tearing one another down. I close with a story about a woman named Rahab. And you can read about her story in Joshua chapters 2 through 6. It's a story about a prostitute who had, who had the faith to believe in a God that she didn't even know. It was just a God that she had heard about. The God of the Israelites. Joshua is leading the children of Israel. Moses is long gone from the scene, if you've you ever read that story. Moses is gone. Joshua is taking over his leadership. He's taken from them from the, from the desert into the promised land. He's been waiting for 40 years to do this. He sends out two spies to go scout out this area the city of Jericho. He wants to find out more about what's going to happen there if they go into that land. These two spies go in there. They find favor with this, name, this gal named Rahab. She's a prostitute in the city. She ends up taking these, these two Israelites, these two spies, into her home, hides them there. But someone rats her out. Someone sees that these two guys had gone into her home and, and they go out and tell the king of Jericho there's two Israelites that are in this place. So he, king of, king of Jericho, sends out his men, go find those Israelites. Go find those spies. They come to Rahab's house. She denies. She says, "Oh, they were here, but they're gone. I didn't yeah they're, yeah, they're gone. They took off already while she's hiding them in their house. You know, that was a death sentence for her. She made a choice to have the faith in a God that she really didn't even know, but he, she knew this. She knew he was a powerful God. She stepped out in faith. Listen to this scripture. Rahab had the faith to believe in Israel's God. She tells the Israelite spies, I know the Lord has given you this land. We are all afraid of you. Our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight. You see, she had heard for 40 years about this God who split the Red Seas, who rescued the Israelites... From Egypt, who where the Israelites passed through the seas, and when all of a sudden, when they get through the seas, the Egyptian soldiers they all die because the waters come crashing out. They had heard the stories of the God of Israel, and now they're in fear of what's going to take place. And she's willing to step out in faith. She didn't, she didn't allow fear to grab her. She was willing to step out in faith with those two Israelites. Listen to Rahab's words. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. There was a promise made that day between the two Israelites and the woman Rahab. They said, we will protect you because you have stepped out in faith. She was generous with her faith. They had a signal. If you tie a red robe A red rope, a red rope outside your window. When when the armies of Israel come, they'll see that red rope tied to your window and they'll protect that home. All your family that's inside that home will be spared. And their word was true. Everybody in Jericho was wiped out. But guess what? Because of the faith of a woman, her and her family have been spared. Rahab was a Gentile woman who ends up marrying an Israelite from the tribe of Judah becomes a direct descendant of Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, all because she was generous with her faith. Rahab's life reminds me of all of our lives. It's through our faith in Jesus that we have been adopted into the family of God. It's nothing that we can do in our own strength. It's only through Jesus. And we've had our faith. We put our faith in Jesus. Guess what? We receive what we don't have. We receive what we don't have. Miracles happen when we step out in faith. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. God will perform miracles through us when we are generous with what we have and when we are willing to step out in faith to believe for what we do not have. Practice living a generous life. I was going in there, but I had a second part that I wanted to share. And I feel like I have the time. And I feel like God created that time because I think it's a prophetic word for some of you here today. And I I don't want to leave without leaving something that someone that here needs to grab a hold of. Maybe it's a young person here that needs to grab a hold of this. Maybe it's an older person. I don't know. Maybe it's middle-aged. Let's not leave anyone out. Sometimes in life we get labeled. Sometimes we get put statements upon us. Sometimes a report comes against us. Something someone says, all of a sudden you think, oh my gosh, and fear starts to grip you. And you start living in this bubble. And you start getting isolated by everything that everybody else is saying. Maybe a parent has said something over you. Maybe a business partner said something over you. Maybe a brother or sister or a friend at school, whatever it might be. And you get labeled and you start living underneath that label we've all done it we've all done it for years I was I thought I couldn't really get up and speak because I had this label upon me and I think it was self-inflicted in many ways that you know what you can't do that you, can't. you start living under that doubt under that, that cloud of discouragement you don't, you don't know how to push forward past that there's a story in the Bible it's story time say it, it's story time it's story time there's a story in the Bible, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. Two verses, that's all it is. The whole story is two verses. It says, there was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. Catch that. He was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because of his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to God for the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain and God and God granted his request the story of Jabez is a story of a person who had been given a lifelong label basically you're a pain in the butt that's what his name means is pain and he was given that name because in childbirth he gave so much pain to his mom you're just a pain how do you like to be named a name? You're pain. Hey, Payne Westerfield. Hey, you're just pain. See, there's times in our life we take on our own names or we put names upon ourselves and we live underneath those names. And this, was a, this is what his name meant. Yet scripture states that he was more honorable than all of his brothers. And sometimes we miss that. He was more honorable than all of his brothers. He wasn't, he was trying. He was trying to be good. He was trying to be righteous. He was trying to walk faithfully. But he was still living under this name, this label. Jabez said enough is enough. And he went to God about his situation. When was the last time you went to God about your situation? When was the last time you went to your knees and said, God, I am done being labeled. Even if it's self-inflicted, I am done with having this label upon my life. That's what Jabez does. He goes forward. He moves forward. It was time for something more. Jabez stepped out with generous faith and asked God to keep him from pain and trouble and to expand my territory. God, expand my influence. Sounds like a greedy request. It wasn't at all. He was tired of being labeled. He knew that he served the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Almighty God. Why should I live in this isolated little bubble that I've created for myself or that someone else created over me? No more boundaries. Take the limitations off God. And the scripture states that God granted his request. Do you have the faith to believe for what you don't have? Do you have the faith to believe for what you don't have? Jabez did because Jabez stepped out in faith to believe guess what the miraculous took place in his life it was a generosity of faith it wasn't the generosity of fear how many have been generous with fear you know what I'm saying sometimes we can be generous with fear everything comes up we watch news Oh, I just, I'm just i so tired of news. Whew. I know what's happening in the world. The last thing I need to do is listen to it over and over and over and over and over and over again in my mind. I just don't need to do that. I know what is right. I know what is wrong. I don't need anyone else telling me anymore. I, got, I, I can vote. I can do the right things. I can do all those things. I don't need someone to continually put that fear back in my mind over and over and over again. I need God's Word to step into my heart and my life so all of a sudden I can have the faith that is generous enough to say, you know what, to that mountain... It is no longer there. Be ye removed from my life. You speak to the addiction. You speak to the poverty. You speak to the hurt. You speak to the pain. You speak to that child that's not saved. You speak to those things that are spiritually, you want. Know what? you have the faith, you can have the faith to break those things off your life. I don't know if, I, if I'm in a Pentecostal church or a dead church right now, but there's a time in our life when we need to say, you know what, God, do the miraculous in my life. And someone down here needs to say, yeah, Pastor Tom. Let the miraculous come forth. You see, if you don't have the faith to believe when a pastor's preaching God's word, then what's ever going to happen in your life? you got to step out in faith and believe. See, God will use what you already have if you're willing to be generous with it. But how much are we missing out on because we don't have the faith to believe for what we don't have? That's what I'm calling upon us. Let's believe. Let's trust. No longer, say to the addiction, die in Jesus' name. Say to the pornography, die in Jesus' name. Say to the alcohol that has you addicted, die in Jesus' name. Say to the poverty that continues to hold you down, die in Jesus' name. Say to the friend that continues to cut you down, that person's going to be saved in Jesus' name. You speak it forth in faith. Some of you need to stand with me today as I pray. Because I'm believing for me in this church to stand up in greater faith to stand in the gap for people that are not saved to stand in the gap for someone who's struggling for addiction, with addiction maybe you're struggling with addiction for yourself and you need to stand and say you know what I'm done I'm not going to continue to do this I'm not going to continue to move forward maybe it's in your own life you just struggle with fear you struggle with discouragement and you just need to stand in faith and say enough is enough like j did Enough is enough. I'm going to my heavenly father. I'm going to cry out before him. I don't have to live this way anymore. I'm going to live in faith to trust and believe. Lord, we come to you today. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. And as people stand, because they desire greater and greater faith in life, I pray as they stand, God, you see them and you recognize them, you understand, Lord, that they, they are crying out for you to have greater faith than ever before. Because God, we can believe for the miraculous. The miraculous just didn't happen way back when and it never happens again. again. Lord, the miraculous happens to us each and every day if we're willing to step out in faith. Lord, I pray today that you'd use us as a church. And I pray for people, Lord God, that have stood, Lord God, maybe they've stood for a family member that's not saved. In Jesus' name, Lord God, I pray salvation comes to that home. Maybe they've stood, Lord God, for an addiction or of their own or maybe for an addiction of someone else. In Jesus' name, God, that addiction be broken off that person's life. We stand in faith. We don't have it. But, God, we know the one who can. They can deliver the message. They can deliver the healing. They can deliver the promise. We stand for Johnny Gomez right now in Jesus' name, healing upon his body in Jesus' name. We stand, Lord God, for Natasha in Jesus' name, healing upon her body. We stand for people, Lord God, that might not have, that they, Lord God, that once again they can't have. We believe, Lord. Not in ourselves. (laughs) We can't do anything in ourselves. But Lord, (laughs) as Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong I'm strong in your spirit God I'm strong in your power Lord God let the revelation of your word come alive to each and every one of us today let us not cower in fear Lord God let let us stand in faith let us be generous with our faith Lord we surrender our lives to you if you're here today you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ or if you're watching us online and you've never taken that step of faith God has not made it difficult. He's made it easy in this way. All we have to do is confess to the Lord Jesus Christ that we believe in Him. Ask Him to forgive us of our sins. Choose to put your trust in Him. And the Word of God says that you are saved. And then, the hard part sometimes can be walking out your faith. But it's not hard when you invite the power of the Holy Spirit to walk with you. Because then all of a sudden, you know what? His yoke becomes easy because He helps carry you through it. His choosing faith in Jesus Christ if you're here today and you desire to, to do that today say this prayer with me, everybody say this prayer Lord Jesus I choose to follow you set me free from my sins thank you for your forgiveness give me the power of your spirit help me to do what is right and say no to what is wrong in Jesus name and everyone said Amen. Stand with us as we continue to worship the Lord. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.